Welcome back to another episode of In Enemy Territory. We've got a great one for you today. Today, we are talking Leap Day. February 29th on the calendar. Comes around once every four years. So, by default, you would think there would be about one quarter of the big moments and birthdays as any other day of the year. And relatively, I would say you are correct. We've got a couple... A few big birthdays, a couple of moments in time that took place on this day. And let's kick it off by going over quickly the birthdays of the day. We've got three hockey birthdays. Uh, first and foremost, we've got Henri Richard. I'm not French, so I can't really pronounce Henry uh, properly, but um, brother of Maurice Rocket Richard. He was a career. Montreal Canadian. He won 11 cups with the Habs. That's an NHL record. And he did it, and I believe, in a span of 17 or 19 years, the Montreal Canadiens in the 50s, 60s, 70s had multiple dynasties. Um, he was a part of basically all of it, along with Jean Beliveau and a bunch of the all time greats in Montreal history. Speaking of Montreal, last night, they punched their ticket back to the Stanley Cup Finals after a 28-year absence, looking to extend their NHL um, looking to extend their NHL lead with 23, I believe, to 24. Second place is I think Toronto with like 13 or 14. Um, Montreal will face either Tampa Bay, uh, either Tampa Bay or the New York Islanders, who have a game seven set for tonight. Um, that's been an insane series, and I'm not sure if too many people thought that when the playoffs started, come two teams left, would be we would be witnessing the Canadians and the Islanders. But you know what? It comes to show that. If you can just make the playoffs, anything could happen. You just got to put yourself into the right place. And you never know what dominoes might fall. But on this day, in 1936, a legend was born. He actually passed away last year. And RIP to an NHL all-time legend. Second birthday on the list, we've got Simon Gagne, a former Flyer, as well as he played for a couple other teams. He's born in 1980, so happy birthday. Um, and lastly, birthdays for the day, we've got 1984, a young goalie by the name of Cam Ward. He won Stanley Cup for Carolina in 2006 as a rookie. Never got back to the Cup. Carolina hasn't been back. One player from that team... I believe is the only player still remaining from that team just with the Montreal Canadiens last night, punched his ticket for a trip back to try to win it for the second time in 15 years. Eric Stahl. Good luck. Uh, also, interestingly, a member of the 2007 Anaheim Ducks, Corey Perry, a member of that team, Montreal. They've got two guys who've done it a long time ago and they've fought tooth and nail to get back and we'll see what happens. Okay, big moment for the day. February 29th, 1992, months before 
I was born an NHL defenseman by the name of Raymond Bork for the Boston Bruins would score his 1,000th point in his 13th season, becoming the third ever NHL defenseman to reach the 1,000-point marker. And when all was said and done, he would actually, he is the all-time leading scorer amongst defensemen with over 1,500 points. Um, at the time, the only two players that had reached that mark was Dennis Potvin, who had been the first to do it, and Paul Coffey. Now there are eight. I'm not going to list all of them because it's not relevant, but it is clearly a very rare feat amongst defensemen, and it's a short list of players who I would assume most of them are Hall of Famers. Um, not even sure any current defensemen that are active let's say 10 plus years right now in the nhl are even on 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 target to do that even in even the way that defensemen could pick up points these days although i guess in the 80s 90s you know all you had to do is be a defenseman on a team like the oilers or or with the penguins early in the 90s or or i guess raymond bork and you just collect those points but no even players like eric carlson brant burns latang John Carlson, um, guys who have been around for years and years, they're barely cracking five, 600 points. And they've had their most productive years already in the rearview mirror. Um, I think Bobby Orr is the only player that even put up 100 points in a season. And he did it like, oh no, Bobby Orr and one other player. But Bobby Orr did it like five times. He didn't even get 1,000 points. He had a a shortened career due to his bad knees. He, he only played 13 seasons total. Um, I didn't get to watch Ray Bork. Obviously, I only became like an active fan of hockey in like the 05-06 season. Approximately, uh, I was like 13 years old. Um, before that, we really just kind of followed baseball. And when we moved to Pittsburgh, we kind of got swept up, especially with Big Ben Roethlisberger as the rookie of the year and took the Steelers one win away from a Super Bowl appearance in his rookie year. And then the following year, all of a sudden, Sidney Crosby is sensation in, in the entire NHL. So, like, I've probably talked about it before on the show, but just moving to Pittsburgh at that opportune time, got swept up in football and hockey as well as baseball. Uh, we converted pretty naturally from Orioles fans to Pirates fans because they were basically were the two worst teams in the league either way. So we just had to change from orange and black to yellow and black. Um, but yeah, uh, can't mention Ray Bork's career, obviously, without mentioning his monumental achievement, which he achieved in his last season. He played, he played with Colorado, he won the cup, he got to hoist it. 2000 and i guess wow that was already eight years after he reached the thousand point plateau so in his first 13 years he picked up a thousand points in his following eight he only got 500 so the truth is it doesn't even i don't have a calculator in front of me but let's say a thousand and thirteen years that's about 75 ish a season 500 over his next eight 
it's still it's about 65 he didn't really have much of a drop off I, I don't know the the breakdown year by year but relatively consistent defenseman and obviously a hall of famer um that brings us to the main event of today which is me dropping my mic not a mic drop but actually mic falling on the floor um sorry about that main event of today which makes me kind of laugh hank aaron and oh shoot i lost the year i'm just gonna manually pull it up right now Hank Aaron would sign the biggest sports contract in history in 1972 on this day, February 29th. Towards the end of his career, he would sign a three-year deal with the Atlanta Braves following a 327-47 homers, 118 ribby season, $200,000 a year. And it just makes me laugh. Like, we've got guys making, we'll get to that. But, you know, I'm not going to give a discourse or a lesson on the history of sports contracts or how much players earned over the years and and the progression of obviously going from such a pittance to one of the greatest athletes in the world at that time and in history to, to where it's gone today. Um. So I'm going to tread lightly on this topic, also because I don't have such a broad knowledge of of the entire topic, but just kind of a few of my own takeaways. But uh, my first obvious place is to kind of look, okay, $200,000, the highest contract in history, 1972. What are we dealing with with today's highest earners? So I pulled up a list, and Lionel Messi, soccer player, has a $674 million deal for four years. That's literally 3,000 times what Hank Aaron signed. Wow. Uh, I don't know how many games a soccer player plays a season, because I'm not a soccer fan, but that guy is one expensive guy. And if he were to pull a hamstring, that would be one expensive injury. Hope he is staying healthy because that is two-thirds of a billion dollars over four years. I don't even know what country he plays for, what team it's called, what league it is. But I do know that with soccer being the international biggest sport in the world, that I guess it would make sense. The best player and the biggest sport would have the biggest contract, you know, no brainer. Second highest total value contract. We've got Patrick Mahomes with a half a billion dollar contract over 12 years, 500 mil. Um, football is something I know a little bit more about Mahomes. Um, not even argued much that he is the best player in football. And, as long as he can stay healthy, it seems like the system in Kansas City 
given Mahomes' arm and the pieces that they have, should be a yearly contender. And in baseball, we've got Mike Trout with a $426.5 million contract over 12 years. And Mike Trout is also, I guess there's a little more room for argument over who the best player in baseball is. Um, Mike Trout's never really gone deep into the playoffs, but he's basically an annual or perennial candidate for the MVP and he's put he puts up the numbers. He's only thirty or thirty one years old and he's he's been doing it every single year. Highlight reel, homers, batting average, does it all very consistently, always and always always the best. So four hundred twenty six point five million is it makes sense for this day and age, even though it's it's kind of cra- cra- kind of crazy. Especially, I do know he has dealt with some injuries. That is a lot of money tied up in a player not playing. Um. So, uh, if you if you scroll farther down the list of players making the most money in the world right now, um, the top hundred there's there's a lot more baseball and there's basketball players and a bunch of UFC. I don't know much about that sport either, but. After reaching the end of the list, which was the 100 highest paid players in the world, there was one sport that did not have any representatives in the top 100, and I think we all know what it is. It is the National Hockey League. Ovechkin just finished a 14-year, $124 million deal. It expired as soon as the offseason began. Um... And he is set to sign again with the Capitals. He currently is in between contracts, but he has verbally told the press and the Capitals that he has no intention of doing anything. But but with that contract expiring, there's only three active players in the NHL with a contract total value over $100 million. And that's Shea Weber, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. Nobody else has a contract worth $100 million. And there's bench players in the NBA who have a six-year over $100 million contract. Like the, the top, top guys, and, and I don't know if Shea Weber is the top guy in the NHL, but Crosby, McDavid, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, even guys like Carey Price with a eight, a 10-year, $8.4 million a year. Like, best athletes in the world to their position and their sport compared to the other leagues, they're getting a pittance. A pittance, I tell you. And the question is, are they getting underpaid? And at the end of the day, it's obviously all directly a product of the TV deals and how much the league is bringing in and how much the, the league has. And, and hockey is not really watched. And basketball, football, and baseball own the country and own the ratings. So obviously, hockey is at the bottom of the list, and it's not really a surprise to see that. But, like, it's just kind of crazy. And that's also, I think, why we have this whole visceral disagreement that that's been raging in the past few years ever since like the world cup where like why women's soccer players are earning so much less than the males. And I'm not really going to go down that road, but like obviously the money is relative 
to to what there is to sign them with. And, you know, even if you relate it to a regular old employee at a, at a business and if he's, if he's bringing in a whole bunch of money, he'll probably get a, a deal relative to what he's earning. And if he's not bringing the company much money, he'll probably just keep getting what he's getting. So uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but one other thought, I know it's kind of a tangent, but one other thought about the whole player, money, contracts, income, whatever. Um, one thing that always stood out to me was obviously players in the offseason, they'll hold out. They want to restructure their contract. They believe they're worth more and they're not getting paid enough. And that's everyone's right. And living in Pittsburgh at the time, Le'Veon Bell, following career year, he holds out. He wants. He claims he wants to be paid because he he caught like eighty something passes. He was a star running back. He said he wanted to be paid for two positions. He wanted to be the highest paid running back and also to slap some more money on top because of his wide receiver catches and whatnot. And Steelers didn't want to do that. They wanted to just franchise tag him and probably run him into the ground and use him and then dump him which I don't blame Le'Veon Bell for not wanting to go down that road. But to be paid for two positions, like, doesn't really make sense because, like, a running back's job in the NFL this day is to, is to catch a screen pass. And, like, that's not, that's not a wide receiver. A wide receiver is to run down the field and catch the ball. So it never really made sense to me, and I always kind of held a grudge against him because he ended up skipping the whole season and, and the Steelers missed the playoffs. And he claims that it's because he wanted to get paid what he's worth, but then he forfeited $14 million of salary for that year and then went and signed with the Jets and definitely didn't make the money that he wanted to make. So he definitely did not win that that challenge. And I guess, you know, his bluff was called and he didn't win. I guess it's a gamble at the end of the day. It's It's a risk and it didn't pay off. But... The reason I bring this up is actually because speaking of players getting needing paid for two positions, and I don't know if as soon as I said that, everyone's going to catch on to what I'm talking about, but you know who should get paid for playing two positions? Shohei Otani of the LA Angels. That guy is a Cy Young candidate pitcher. And he's leading the league in home runs while batting 270-something with 54 RBIs. As a pitcher. As a batter. What is he? It's in, it's insane. I look at the stats and the report every morning after the Angels play. And the guy is a phenom. I've never seen anything like it. No one has. And it's exciting as heck. And that guy should get paid. Because if anyone... Should get paid for playing two positions. It's Shohei Otani, not Le'Veon Bell. And with that, that's all I've got to talk about today. So everyone should go out there, earn their money, take what you can get, and what else can I say? It's been fun. It's been February 29th. And if you want to follow the show, you could follow it at IET Podcast on Instagram or Facebook.com slash IET Podcast to see a little bit about what's going on. 
leave a comment, leave a, you know, subscribe, whatever you want to do, follow the show. Like I said, last episode, I'm working on putting together a website for the page to kind of get a background behind the scenes, what my notes kind of look like and the structure of the show. Um, But thanks for listening. Appreciate you and, and peace.